Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Who's Gonna Run This Town Tonight edition. As the Bengals wrap up their first week of training camp by drawing nearly 29,000 fans to Paul Brown Stadium for a practice on Back Together Saturday around the NFL. Coming up, you'll hear from Money Mac, Evan McPherson, whose 65-yard field goal ended that practice. NFL insider Ian Rappaport was among the spectators, and I'll get his thoughts on the defending AFC champs. And then, my broadcast partner Dave Lapham joins me as we share some observations on the first few days of training camp. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the upcoming season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Bengals AFC Championship Rings. It's obviously not the ultimate prize, but the Bengals distributed spectacular rings last week to celebrate the organization's third trip to the Super Bowl. The top of the ring features the Bengals' orange and black B logo with a diamond-cut black stone behind it to make that logo pop. Above and below it are 10 orange sapphires, symbolic of the franchise's 10 division titles. 80 diamonds sparkle on top of the ring, including a series in the shape of a football, and 17 more diamonds surround the top edge in an alternating pattern with 17 orange sapphires. The Lamar Hunt AFC Championship Trophy is on the right side of the ring, surrounded by three more orange sapphires, signifying Cincinnati's three conference titles. And on the inside of the ring, you'll find the scores of the Bengals' three postseason wins. For the players and coaches, it's a richly deserved reward for all they accomplished last season, and also a reminder that a bigger prize is within their grasp. Last year on Back Together Saturday, the big open practice that the Bengals hold at Paul Brown Stadium, Evan McPherson ended the day by attempting a 60-yard field goal. He had the distance, but missed it wide left. This year, he ended the event with a 65-yard attempt and drilled it with plenty of room to spare. It was the latest impressive feat by the kid with a bionic foot. Including the postseason last year, McPherson made 12 field goals of 50 or more yards. Dave Lapham and I caught up with him Saturday, immediately after that 65-yard blast. Did you know that 65-yard opportunity was coming? Yeah, no, I definitely did. We talked about it and just kind of, uh, it's kind of what we did last year too, was just kind of putting put on a show for the for the fans and everybody that showed up. So I didn't know it was coming. We didn't know how far we were going to go. We were just going to kind of judge it off of how we were feeling in the wind and everything. How did that feel? Felt good. No, I hit it really well. Um, probably hit it about as good as I could have. Um, the guy standing under the upright said it, was, it had a couple more yards on it, so felt good. How far could you have hit today, do you think? If I hit that, that same ball, maybe like 70. 70? He said it would have been good from 70, but... Who knows? Sweet. Yep. Nice way to cap this practice. I mean, obviously, everybody out here is still buzzing from the Super Bowl trip, mm-hmm. and to see you do that sends everybody home happy. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, 
I think everybody should be excited for the season, obviously. We, you know, we, we, they, they saw a good team out there practicing today, and uh, they're going to see a good team play here in a, was it next week or a couple weeks against Arizona. So 13 days. 13 days, there we go. What did you think of the reception when you walked out? People went nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's just awesome just to have that support uh, from the fans. And it, it gives me confidence going into it, you know, that everybody's behind me if um, no matter what happens. So. All right, you've hit a 65-yarder in practice. If it comes up in a game, you know you can do it. Exactly. No, we're, we're prepared for it, so it's got to be the right situation for sure. Last year, I saw McPherson make a 62-yarder during pregame warm-ups in Denver, and later that day, he set the franchise record with a 58-yarder in the game. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport was in attendance at Paul Brown Stadium on Saturday, and I caught up with him for about 10 minutes just before practice got underway. Ian, what are your biggest questions about the Bengals coming off their Super Bowl appearance? Uh, I don't have nearly as many questions as I, as I did last year. I mean, if you think about it, like, the defense, assuming Jesse Bates shows up before week one, defense is basically the same, right? I mean, you lose Ogan Joby, but, like, make up for those seven sacks somewhere else probably like some talent on the back end otherwise like everyone's basically the same offensive line will be better so it's not like I have a ton of questions like is Ted Karras can be able to be like a starting center or whatever like Lyle Collins is what he is like a really 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 solid tackle like I, I don't even have any questions there Joe Burrow sounds like he had a great offseason and a healthy one which is most important so he'll probably be a little bit better too so questions, like, I don't know. I really don't have very many, honestly. That's pretty telling. I mean, in most camps, there's usually at least something that you wonder, okay, did they solve that problem or whatever? Uh, it doesn't sound like this particular team has a bunch of those. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the offensive line would be sort of the target, but, like, it's not like they drafted guys and then we'll see. Like, the guys they signed... You know, like, I know what Lyle Collins is. I've seen him start for seven years or whatever it is. Like, Ted Karras, same thing. Um, Kappa, same thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not – I don't – I guess maybe you worry about the – wonder about the fit a little bit. But, like, I'm really not. Like, I think they should be fine. Like, last – you know, the only sort of thing would be everyone's gunning for him. But, like – that's not really a tangible thing and like I feel like everyone's gunning for everyone in the NFL anyway so I don't know do you think the Jesse Bates contract impasse could be a problem no I don't think it'll be a problem uh I don't think it'll be a problem this year you know you'd like to get it done he is a homegrown great guy great player those are the guys you'd like to pay they just didn't get it to a point where it got done and you know I know there are several other teams that didn't get deals done for their franchise guy either some did some didn't it's too bad because you'd always like to you'd always like to handle it but as far as like on the football field you know assuming he shows up for week one which historically almost everybody has might take a couple weeks to get into the flow like okay maybe but you get a first rounder who's been taking all those reps like might end up being a positive because that's a lot more snaps for Dax than you were expecting. 
Ian Rappaport is our guest. Uh, Burroughs, many great attributes. What stands out to you the most? Uh, he's a great dresser. Uh, his pregame, pregame outfits are tremendous. Um, he gives, you know, doesn't care. will just dress to the nines, then go out and perform. I always respected that. Um, no, but I, I think the, the thing about Burrow is really the same thing that it's been before he became a pro is that he's always been a pro. Like, it's not like, how's he going to react to the NFL? Like, he's been an NFL quarterback. He just did it in college. Like, he ran the show at LSU. He does the same here. He's got total understanding of the offense. He's got really good accuracy. He is able to get what he wants in, like, a sort of not offensive way, which I think if you're a leader, half the thing is getting what you want without everybody hating you. Nobody hates Joe Burrow. Everybody loves Joe Burrow. Um, there's a lot to like. I mean, there's a lot to like. You know, it's interesting because when you joke about his wardrobe choices, it does kind of reinforce how comfortable he is in his own skin. That's part of his leadership, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the the parental level of this podcast, but I would say he gives no f- Like, he really doesn't. And he dresses how he wants to, and he's bold, and he's a little brash, and he'll wear a big chain, and he'll wear stupid glasses at a press conference, and he'll throw for 350 yards. And, like, there's a lot of things that he does that you really have to be great to do, which is great because he is great. And so, like, he could literally do anything he wants, and everyone's like, he's earned it, you know? There's a lot of star power on the, on this team right now with Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Mixon, etc. Yeah. How about under-the-radar guys or underrated guys? Is there anybody on this team that you think, you know what, that guy's a big difference maker for the Bengals and nobody really talks about him? Um, I would say, you know, I, I'll be curious if Hayden Hurst feels that this year. You know, CJ was so good and so perfect for the Bengals. Got more money somewhere else, which is awesome. Like, that's what you want um, and I'll be really curious to see where Hayden Hurst fits in you know it's not like people were like beating down his door in free agency he's been really productive a couple different times but has never really really commanded top dollar and I'm not I don't really know why he just hasn't free agency doesn't work for everyone um, sounds like the early returns are really positive he is a great athlete he is a great athlete so might give you a little more than CJ gave you, maybe, just as far as like stretching it a little bit. Um, so I'm really fascinated to see what that addition does. What stands out to you about how Duke Tobin built this roster over the last couple of years and turning a team that had the number one pick in the draft to a team that was a minute and a half away from winning a Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get any better than what they've done, you know, and like Duke is a guy I've always had a lot of respect for. Everyone around the league does. Um, you know, there was a string of years where it kind of all came apart and I don't even know that it was really like you know was it player evaluation like I didn't maybe some misses but like not even really that many honestly just it was a good run that sort of went the wrong way you know I think the coaching change helped and they had to start back up from the bottom and he is patient he is very savvy picks picks have been really good and when the Bengals never spend in free agency but when they've done, you know, with the with one exception, Trey Waynes, which he just wasn't healthy. Like, that's what, – what, what are you going to do? He wasn't healthy. Um, every guy they've chosen has fit and has been an instant impact guy. Like, it's hard to 
have that good of a hot streak. But if you think about it, that's really what they've done. Great drafting, well-timed free agents. And, like, a year before they were good, he and the coaching staff kind of helped establish the Bengals as, like, a place players would want to be. Obviously, it wasn't always like that. So that kind of stands out. I think there's a bit of a national narrative out there that the Bengals might have been a little bit lucky or fluky last year, whatever term you want to use. Do you think there's any validity to that? I haven't really heard that because everyone has respect for where they are. Like, if you look at this roster, this is a good roster. Like, it is a, like, find the weak spot. You know, like, the offensive line was it, and then spent a lot of money to to sure it up. Like, find the weakness. So... I, it didn't feel fluky. And I think maybe because, like, you know, there are quarterbacks who are productive and good. Obviously, Joe's good. But everybody likes him, and it feels like nationally thinks he's cool and wants him to succeed. So, like, I didn't get the sense everybody thought it was a fluke. I think everybody got the sense of, like, these guys deserve to be here because, like, are they a little too young? Maybe, but, like, they didn't know anything last year. So they just kept winning, you know? And the whole thing was really cool to watch. How do you assess the AFC North a week into training camps? Um, you know, I would say Steelers I'd like to know a little more about. I'd like to know who their quarterback is. Um, otherwise, I mean, the Browns are going to be interesting depending on how long Deshaun Watson's suspended. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of the same. I mean, Ravens will be good. Bengals will be good. You know, like, it might be a little different early. The Steelers take a while to find their footing, and the Browns don't have Deshaun. But, like, by the end, my guess is that everyone's kind of around in that playoff mix in December. Final question for Ian Rappaport. How valuable is this time of the year for you, going from camp to camp, developing contacts, uh, reconnecting with contacts, etc.? I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, hard on the body. (laughs) It's hard on the life because you say, I'm going away for 20 days. It is so essential. And besides just being important for work, like, you know, I'll come and... I meet young coaches that I've never met. Like, I sat with Dan Pitcher for 15 minutes because I heard great things, and it's one of the reasons I'm here. I heard great things. People are like, you should meet this guy. So I came here to talk with Zach and Duke and whoever, but also meet Dan Pitcher because as far as someone who's going to be an offensive coordinator, maybe head coach, like, he's on the list, you know? So um, that's why this is important for me. So it's hard, like, logistically it's hard. Body-wise, it's hard. It is a lot of fun, and it is insanely valuable. You probably got four critical texts during this 10-minute conversation, so I really appreciate your time. I will check in one second and, and pray. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Dan Pitcher is the Bengals' 35-year-old quarterbacks coach, and I'm not surprised to hear that his name is getting around as a future offensive coordinator or even head coach. Finally, time to check in with Dave Lapham as we share some thoughts on the first week of training camp. Lap, we're four practices in, none of them in full pads, so it's very early to make any definitive sort of statements at this point, but have there been any standouts in the early going, in your opinion? I, I think a lot of guys have, have uh, started camp off pretty well, Dan. I, I have been impressed. I was impressed at OTAs with Kwame Laster, his, uh, you know, precise and smooth route running ability. I don't think he's going to run away from anybody, but I do think that uh, he gets separation. You know, he lowers his hips and gets in and out of cuts well. And um, a guy a guy like him caught my eye, and I think he's done a pretty good job in the early stages of training camp. 
I will say that all three of the, the rookie defensive backs, we, we heard about their speed, and it's translated on the football field. Sometimes guys that run fast 40s, you don't see it in functional football speed. But these guys you do, you know, and, and uh, they're, they're covering a lot of ground out there. And I, I think they've all got uh, all got bright futures. There's uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Dax Hill, Cam Taylor, Britt, uh, you know, they, they, these guys have uh, have really have really shown shown me that that uh, they've they've got football speed. Tyson Anderson as well out of Toledo, um, speed and football speed both, which is good. Trey Young Williams, I thought, has had a very good start to his training camp. Another guy in the secondary that I liked in is is uh, Devontae Hood. Uh, this this guy's long, you know, and he's got he's got some ability. I, I think, you know, he's got – I'm not talking about all these guys making the team necessarily, but definitely on the practice squad with an opportunity to develop them for, you know, further NFL careers. At the linebacker level, got Clarence Hicks. To me, it looks like he's got a little bit of suddenness and twitch to him. Um, I want to see, see more of him. It's been good to see Akeem Davis-Gaither working his way back to, I think, a pretty, you know, pretty effective linebacker for the for the Bengals from a physical standpoint. He, he can really run. Offensive lineman, uh, it's it's very hard to judge, like you said, without pads on, Dan. But uh, I, I think I think that group is going to be noticeably better <laughs> when when things get underway. And, and in fact, in my opinion, this football team roster wise from a year ago is much better now than it was a year ago. And the biggest reason in my mind is because of the improvements they've made in the offensive line um, that that has taken it, you know, well over the top. I think uh, so. Th- those are uh, those are a few guys. I, I think Zach Carter has has shown that uh, he's got the ability to uh, to be that three technique that Ogan Joby provided. I'm not saying to the level that Ogan Joby provided right away, but I think he's he's got a Good sized body on him. He's got very uh, good first step quickness. He's got you know a get off to him. I think uh, I think he's another one that has had a fairly good uh, fairly good start to training camp. But now that the ramp up stage is over, practice without pads. Now we'll find out a little bit more about the interior uh, or, or the up front guys, the offensive and defensive line, and linebackers and tight ends and people of that ilk. I'm glad you mentioned rookie Zach Carter and Larry Ogunjobi because I think Larry Ogunjobi's absence, departure, whatever term you want to use, is maybe the kind of least talked about story on this team this year. He played 64% of the defensive snaps during the regular season last year. It was 45% for B.J. Hill, so you add it up, you get 109. So sometimes they played together. But Ogunjobi got the bulk of the snaps uh, next to DJ Reader, that's an important job. Those guys have to have somebody that goes in there and gives them, you know, a blow from time to time. Josh Tupo can do that and does it pretty well, particularly uh, in run stopping situations. But it'd be nice to have a guy that can go in there and, and provide a little pass rush. And hopefully, Zach Carter can be that guy. I agree, Dan. And um, you know, the thing you've got DJ Reader and, and Tupo, and those guys are, you know, they're big space eater guys, and. What Ogan Joby did, and and I think what what uh, Carter's going to be able to do, is invert the line of scrimmage. You know, with that explosive gap penetration kind of thing. You know, they give these type of guys give them that scenario, um, and and that's that's tough when when you get the uh, 
the line inverted against you and you're trying to you know establish the line of scrimmage it's it can be a, it can be a, a, a definite challenge so that that role is uh is an important one and i and i think they might have a candidate that could uh you know could fill that overall dan i've been extremely impressed with the bengal's defense the, the low red zone defense yesterday was suffocating you know the the Offense never scored a touchdown on a snap from inside the 10-yard line on, on a single snap. And I like I said earlier, um, the team speed has increased with these young guys on the back end. They're fast. This defensive football team is fast, period. And they cover a lot of ground out there. I, I think defensively they're going to pick up where they left off. And you, you look at it in the playoffs, seven different guys combined for eight interceptions. So Lou Anarumo is getting contributions everywhere, you know, in terms of making plays on the football. And that's what it's all about. It's all about the ball, man. It's all about protecting the ball. And it's all about taking it away on the other side of things. And those nine takeaways and only two giveaways plus seven in the class was the single most important reason they got to Super Bowl 56. Let's talk about Hayden Hurst. He's not quite as big as C.J. Uzama. I don't necessarily think that he's faster running in a straight line than CJ. They're probably pretty comparable, but he's more fluid. CJ was more robotic in his cuts. You could kind of see when the cut was coming in advance. Hayden Hurst is very fluid. I think he's off to an excellent start. And I think CJ was 20th in the NFL last year in receiving yards among tight ends, a little bit under 500 yards. I think Hayden Hurst could, could add 100 or 200 yards to that in this offense. I totally agree with your assessment about, you know, the route running aspect of it, the fluidity of it, the getting in and out of cuts. Um, you know, Fred Blitnikoff wasn't going to run by anybody, but Fred Blitnikoff would get separation and against really good defensive backs that had great quickness and speed because he would get in and out of his cuts so sharply and so precisely he'd have it, you know, he'd gain a step right there. And, Hayden Hurst has that type of route running ability. He runs routes like a wideout. He's got that type of uh, that type of physical ability, I think, uh, in, in a big body like that. So I do think that's going to be an underrated thing. I think people aren't talking about it uh, as much as uh, like you were when you were talking about Ogan Joby and Carter. You know that that aspect of it with, with the three receiver sets, the eleven personnel that the Bengals are going to run a high percentage of the time. Hayden Hurst is going to get some very favorable matchups for a guy, his talent and ability. So I, I, th I think that's going to be something to monitor uh, as, you know, not only training camp goes on, because I'm not sure how many snaps he's going to get in preseason games, but definitely as the season progresses. To me, it's going to be very interesting. His value, if at the, if at the end of the line of scrimmage, he can be able to handle himself with outside linebackers and blocking down on defensive ends and some of the physicality things. CJ was pretty good in that area, you know, in terms of uh, solidifying things at the end of the line of scrimmage. If uh, Hayden Hurst can provide that, that, uh, that CJ did, as well as the um, advantage that he gets with his route running ability, could have something pretty good there. I made an appearance on the NFL Network on Saturday, and they asked me about the vibe at training camp and I described it as unfinished business uh -huh. and passed along an anecdote from cornerback Trey Flowers. I was talking to him at his locker the other day and uh, mentioned the AFC championship rings 
And he said he hadn't even opened the box. He doesn't even want to see it until they win a real Super Bowl championship ring. Then he'll go back and look at an AFC championship ring. Do you get a kind of an unfinished business vibe? Is that a good way to describe it? Or is there something else that stands out to you? I do. I do get that. Um, there's, there's no doubt. I think that uh, they realized that they were right in the midst of an opportunity that doesn't present itself very often and they didn't quite get it done. So they, I do think that they're feeling that unfinished business uh, feeling and unfortunately the franchise has felt it three times now. And I, I can, I can relate to, to Trey Flowers. Uh, I I've kind of pretty much did the same thing with the ring I got as a player and I, I really haven't worn it. I haven't won that ring. Um, and I'm not sure how much I wear the ring that we got as a, a broadcast team for Super Bowl 56, but the, my, it was intentional as a player. It's like, no, nope, no, nope, this isn't the big prize. This is a consolation prize. And I'm not, I was proud of the fact we were see champions, but bemoaning the fact that we didn't win the big, uh, the big banana. So I do think there's a lot of that with this, uh, with this football team. The other thing, though, that, that hits me, you know, we've been in the locker room, uh, COVID protocols are gone, so we're back in there and able to, uh, you know, mingle with players. That locker room is phenomenal. I mean, there is no jerk factor whatsoever, not a sniff of it anywhere. And they, they, they're all, they're all got each other's backs. They're all pulling for each other. No, you know, it's, it's all about we, us, it's not I, me, you know, there's no selfishness in there. It really is about as good as I've, I've seen. And, you know, they're all high character guys. They're all, you know, captains and multiple captains. And um, it's, it, it, and during the course of the season, I mean, heck, look at the Bengals. They, they lost two home games in a row to the Chargers and, and 49ers in overtime to be seven and six halfway through December. So you're not thinking going to Super Bowl 56, but that character and everything, you handle adversity better. You know, instead of finger pointing and, you know, it's not me, it's you. Everybody said, OK, I'm going to do my job a little bit better and do and handle things. And, and they caught fire at the right time. And that. I think those kind of intangibles, those kind of variables are going to take you a long way. Well, Collins hasn't practiced yet because of a sore back. We talked to him in front of his locker a couple of days ago. Did that conversation settle any concerns you might have had about his health going forward? Yeah, I've been around teammates that have had, you know, minor disc issues where it's pinching a nerve kind of thing, L4, L5, and you know, some numbness in the leg or whatever the case may be. Um, and and they they have alleviated themselves. It, 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 the way he's moving around and, and he's the way he's able to work out already, I don't see any real major issue in terms of him, you know, missing two months or something like that. I, I think he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. I think he will be taking reps out there before training camp is totally over with. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, camp quote breaks before the preseason games are all concluded, but it's the exact same thing. I, he'll, he'll get the work that he needs, I think, to be ready to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the opener, in my estimation. And, uh, um, I'm excited to see the, the right side, center, right guard, right tackle. I'm excited to see those guys out there, you know, working together against a good defensive unit like the Pittsburgh Steelers in that opener. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be 
a, a very good first test. There's no doubt about it. That uh, that group's pretty strong. He's <laughs> he's going to have his hands full with T.J. Watt now. That guy is the Energizer Bunny. He keeps going and going and going. But um, I, I think Collins is, is going to be up to the task. That's going to be a very interesting interesting battle to watch on the edge there. I think we all assume that Jesse Bates is going to report at some point, probably in time for week one of the regular season. But if not, would Dax Hill be fine based on what you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that it's it's hard to drill a hole in a rookie's head and pour all the experience that Jesse Bates has got now. So honestly, yeah, I mean, Jesse, uh, second round pick himself, uh, you know, high second round pick and, and uh, you know, it took him a little while. It takes everybody a little while. So I, I don't think that we can expect Dax Hill to be um, as as comfortable as Jesse Bates might be in the early stages of the season with everything that's going on around him because it will be so new uh, to Dax and more old hat to Jesse as such. Jesse will have seen more at that point in time in terms of what the NFL has got to offer from a formation standpoint and play creativity and excellence of the athletes and all that that goes along with it. There, there is some adjustment there, but I think he's a quick study and I think he's got ability to adapt and adjust to his environment pretty darn quickly. Is he going to make mistakes? Hell yeah. Everybody makes mistakes, but I think he's going to, uh, you know, it's not going to crush him. If he makes a mistake, he won't, he won't stay lost in space. He's going to bounce right back and, and, uh, and and make plays. I, I think he's that type of player. I, I do think they've got a really good player in, in Dax Hill, and I think they've got another one in, in Tyson Anderson. The organization has done a pretty good job over the years of doubling down, you know, Chad and the TJ, and, you know, doubling down at positions where you normally get one, you get a couple, and they might have done it uh, this time at the safety position in the draft. I've been very impressed by Ted Karras. With his energy, his enthusiasm, his smarts, his leadership, et cetera. I wasn't here in your playing days, but I bet you were like that back in the day. Do you feel a little bit of a bond with Ted Karras? I, I do feel, you know, a little bit of a bond with, with Ted. He's a very uh he's an easy guy to gravitate toward because, like you said, he is so enthusiastic and energetic about the game. He's got a real high football intelligence quotient. There's no question. He's got the football IQ that, that you, that you look for. And, you know, I, I'm sure some teammates are like, Oh man, this guy, is this real? That's him every day. He just loves football. He loves exactly uh, every aspect of, you know, being there. He loves getting ready, preparing. He loves the grind of the preparation. Uh, he, he loves everything about it. And I'm sure, you know, there are things that, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not real keen on that. But overall, when you lay your head on the pillow, I'm sure I, I remember feeling this way. Even in the, the throes of training camp and the in the dog days of training camp, when your body's saying, what the hell are you doing to me? And, you know, you're mentally fatigued and everything else. I remember laying down and saying, you know what, this is tough. But boy, am I glad I'm here. This is exactly what I wanted to do. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I'm this, I, I don't want to be anywhere else. And I'm sure Ted Karras feels, you know, that that way about it. And uh, and I think, fortunately, they've they've put their bat on the ball um, in in evaluating and, and sifting through players that have that exact feeling. They, there are a lot of guys in that locker room 
that have that type of feeling. And, and Ted Karras is uh, he's, he's one of the leaders of the pack. There's no question about it. We have now seen what a 65-yard field goal looks like in person after Evan McPherson booted one on Saturday to end uh, the big practice at Paul Brown Stadium. The NFL record is 66, set last year by Justin Tucker. I don't know if Evan McPherson is ever going to get a shot to tie that or break that, but do you think that he will become the first Bengals kicker to boot one from 60-plus at some point? I do. I do. I think there's going to be an occasion where, you know, it'll, it'll come up. It, it, it won't come up often, but there'll be an occasion where, yeah, you know what? We have to, we have to try this 61 yard field goal and he can make it. We've seen him make it. So yeah, let's, let, let's go for it. I, th- there will be a game, a circumstance where he will have an opportunity to probably get that done. And the thing about his 65 yarder that stunned me <laughs> is, is the trajectory the instantaneous height that he gets on the football. I mean, man, he elevates that thing so quickly, you know, instead of thinking I now I have to hit the low to the drive to drive the football. He's still, I mean, nobody, that thing is unblockable and it traveled the distance that it traveled. is just phenomenal. It's, he is, uh, he is a very, very unique talent. There is, there's no question about it. And I probably, that one probably would have been good from, I'd say 67, you know? Absolutely. I mean, if not 70. Yeah, that was pure. That was very pure. And uh, (laughs) just makes you scratch your head, boy. He's got an explosive right hip and right leg. There is no, it's got dynamite caps in there, man. I think I said, uh, I said what I was thinking when he hit it. If it's good, he's bionic. And he has a (laughs) bionic hip and a bionic leg on that right side. It's crazy. We haven't seen Joe Burrow yet. There's no official timetable on when he's going to come back and start practicing. Do you have a feel for how much time he can miss before it would actually hurt him or hurt the team in any way? I think that, uh, you know, a couple, three weeks, I really think he could miss. Um, and, and we're already a week into it. I, I'd, I'd say it's going to be a couple more weeks. And I'm not saying that he won't be out there. I'm sure he'll be out there, you know, taking the mental reps and, um, going through things with his teammates and, and bonding that way. And everybody will be excited to have him out there. There's no question about it. But the, the two things that, you know, come to my mind is you gotta, you got to make sure that it's healing properly and you avoid at all cost infection. And it's not like his appendix ruptured or burst or anything. There wasn't any infection on the front. But I'm talking about after the fact, you go through the procedure and, I mean, heck, you had an organ taken out of your body and, you know, your body has to respond and recover and you don't want it to uh, have to then handle an infection. So that that's one thing. And then the other thing is let it heal because the way Joe throws the football, he uses his core. You know, every quarterback does. I mean, they're, they're torquing and twisting that core pretty darn significantly. And, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that the healing is, is, uh, far along so far along that you don't even have to worry about you know anything that uh that may be disrupted because of that you know severe torque or that severe twisting of your of your body that you have to do to throw you know to to goose that ball down the field and those deep throws you have to torque it pretty good so they're going to err on the side of caution let's put it that way they're not going to rush him back i know i i'd be stunned if they if they bring him back uh too soon i i think if 
they're going to probably have to put a harness on Joe. He's going to say, I want to go out there and get going. And they may hold him out for another day or two after he says, you know, I'm ready to go. And I bet that'll happen. You know, he'll probably be saying to the media at some point, I'm ready to go. They just won't let me go yet. And that's, that's what I envision happening. All right. Final thing. Going to circle back to the AFC championship ring. Uh, we were so grateful and appreciative to be included on the list by the Brown family to receive yes. rings from last year. Here's my question. How did your grandkids like your <laughs> AFC championship ring? Yeah, they were, they were very impressed. Uh, they, they came up to visit after I had left to go down to, down to practice the day after I picked them up. And uh, yeah, they, they big smiles. They were sporting those rings on their, on their hand. <laughs> The rings look pretty big on those little hands. That's for sure. It looked like a TV set hanging off their hands. But yeah, they were they were like, "Wow, this is unbelievable!" And they were pretty excited about it. Big smiles on the faces. That's for sure. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the upcoming season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.